The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain and living in Canada. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of my show, Family Caregivers Unite. Today's episode is Kinship Caring and Grandparents' Rights. Now, here's what I've learned from guests in previous episodes of Family Caregivers Unite about the challenges of kinship caring and the importance of grandparents' rights. First, kinship caring is an especially challenging form of family caregiving. Next, kinship caring isn't recognized, supported, or even understood to anything like the extent that it merits, just like family caregiving generally isn't sufficiently recognized, supported, or even understood. Uh, Kinship caring subsidizes the health care system and social services, just like family caregiving does. And Kinship kinship caregivers, despite their own family challenges, turn around and work to help other grandparent caregivers starting out on their journeys of family caregiving. Our guests today, Betty Cornelius and Tammy Brockhouse, are going to talk about the work they do and their own experiences. Now, first I'm going to introduce Betty. Betty is president and founder of CanGrand's National Kinship Support, a Canadian non-profit organization for kinship support. It's a home online that welcomes grandparents and kinship families raising grandchildren or other family members. It helps them maintain or reestablish family ties. It answers questions on legal and health issues, and it provides practical advice for kinship caregivers raising children and grandchildren. Betty's own story tells of hardship and sorrow, but, she says, Ashley, for whom she is grandma, is worth every cent she spent and every stress she suffered. Tammy Brockhouse, our other guest, is 61 years of age and widowed. She coordinates the Cangrans Group in Huntsville, Ontario, Recently, she participated with other CanGrands in getting signatures for a change in legislation aimed at helping kinship family caregivers like her and so many others. She'd retired a year ago, but she's recently chosen to return to work to help with the household finances. She has three children. She's adopted the child of her middle child, and he was taken, that is, the 
the child she's adopted, from his parents at eight days old. And he came into her care when he was 30 days old. He will be nine years old next birthday. Welcome to the show, Betty and Tammy. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to start off by asking Betty a question, please. What exactly is kinship caring? And just tell us a little bit about your own experience. Okay. Well, kinship is just a term, and it really means any family member raising a blood relative child that they didn't give birth to. And 85% of those kinship caregivers happen to be on the mother's side, so the grandmother and her uncle from the mother. However, it can also be a close family friend. They call it kinship and kith. So kith is the close family friend piece. Um, my own story started 17 years ago. My granddaughter is going to be 17 very soon, and um, CAS was called in, and I've had her part-time since birth and full-time since she was three and a half due to a drug addiction on both her parents' part. Okay. We'll go back and go further into those things uh, a little later. Tammy, please tell us about your experience as a grandparent involved in kinship caring. Well, um when my son and his partner had told me they were expecting, of course, it wasn't, wasn't what we really wanted to hear. But as the pregnancy progressed, I realized this is, this is my first grandchild here, and I better get into grandmother mode. And I started the making baby blankets, and I helped them get everything together for the baby, and we put a bedroom together for them. And uh, my son called from Toronto to tell me when it was time for them to go to the hospital, and I left Huntsville. And soon after I arrived, the baby was born, and it certainly was an exciting moment. Um, we all took turns holding the baby, me with tears in my eyes, and of course, being a grandparent uh, elevates you to another level in life. I stayed in Toronto for a couple of days, came home, um, then got that call in the middle of the night from the police station. Uh, my grandson, Alex, was only eight days old, and alcohol was the uh, factor here, and uh, the baby was going to go into care. I, In the middle of the night, you don't have time to get to um, a police station in Toronto. The next morning was a Friday morning. I got a lawyer and uh, immediately, and I contacted CAS to tell them I'd be happy to take the baby. They were anything but cooperative. Um, one of the workers even made a statement that, what is he to you? Well, I fought, and uh, when Alex was 30 days old, he was put into my care. However, I was to work with his parents on them learning to take care of their son, even though I lived two hours away. Uh, we, made it to work, we made it work for a while. I took a leave of absence from work and set up a second baby's room in my home. But the judge said, where the baby went, I went. So we carried on till December, till my son lost his job in Toronto, and they came to live with me uh, while he went back to school, and I went back to work, and baby went into daycare as mom was not to be alone with him. Um, This seemed to be working. However, alcohol entered the picture again. Um, And things got very tense, and then I was attacked in my own home, and that was about all I could handle. And so they moved on, and baby and I carried on. Right. I'm going to ask Betty a quick question. How many kinship families are there in Canada, and how many children are being looked after by grandparents? 
Well, that's a good question. It depends on who you ask. Stats Canada tells us there's um, about 70,000 in Canada. Um, Esme Fuller-Thompson of the University of Toronto tells us there's been a 60% increase in the last 15 years. And CAS claims they have 900 kinship families out of their 28,000 kinship or um, children in care. So it really depends on who you ask. But we say 70,000 are being raised by grandparents in Canada, 22,000 in Ontario alone. Quite a statistic. It is. Tammy, I want you to tell us more about your experience, particularly in getting support in caring for your grandchild. Maybe you want to start at the 30-day point, please. Well, at the 30-day point, I took a leave of absence from work, and um, at that time, I um, started to look into daycare um, subsidies to see if there was anything available because... um, Eventually, I was going to go back to work, of course, and wanted to see what was going on. But this uh, this was really a dead-end street for us. Um, because I had a job and I had savings, um, you're not entitled to any kind of daycare. So I had to stop saving in order to pay for daycare. In my case, really, uh, if I had been able to get daycare paid for, um, the financial side of my life, could have maintained some sort of balance. But um, that expense, on top of all the other expenses, was too much for me. Um, Then, because I was concerned of the possibility of FAS, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, uh, when it was time for my son to go to school, I put him in a private school, and for five years he went to uh, uh, a Montessori school where he was doing wonderful and uh, then last year we started to homeschool, which was grade three. But going back to support, uh, back in 2002, when my dad was visiting, he read an article in the Toronto Star about uh, grandparents raising grandchildren, and this led me to Cangrans and Betty Cornelius and a whole world of uh, support uh, of others uh, walking in the same path and all of us helping uh, each of us in some way or another, whether it be legal, medical, financial, or dealings with CAS. But from a government standpoint and community standpoint, there was really nothing. I just wanted to ask you just to explain a couple of words. You mentioned a type of school. My accent is different from yours. Is it right for me to call it a Montessori school? Yes, that's, that's exactly what he was in. Tell us just very quickly a little bit about that. Uh, you mean his time there? Yeah. Um, it was wonderful. He um, he really enjoyed it. It was a small country school and, um, um, you know, small classroom size, and the children uh, learned from each other and with a lot of manipulatives and that, and they progress at their own level. So uh, really nobody is uh, kind of ahead of one or another. But uh, Alex was doing extremely well, and um, I felt it was a better situation for him than in a public school where he would have either been passed over, missed out, or maybe just didn't fit in because he has a very unique personality and um, is very expressive. And um, to me, it it was the best solution until... 
until we started homeschooling. Right. You used another um, abbreviation or an abbreviation, CIS. Not sure what does that mean exactly? Well, I think probably that's the old term for Children's Aid Society. I think it's called uh, Family Youth and Child Services now. Um, Betty might uh, be able to correct me on that. But, yeah, uh, in the States it's called CPS, um, Child Protection Services, but we refer to it here as CAS. But, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we'll come back to some of these government services and the public services and social assistance services later on just to discuss how, how valuable or not they are to family caregivers. Now, it is time for us to take a short break. This is where we have to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Betty Cornelius and Tammy Brockhouse. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Variety Channel presents a program like no other for those in the field and interested in the field of security and training. On America's front lines of crime and war with Victory Defense Consulting, hosted by J.J. Sutton and Bill Vanelli. Here, listeners are learning about tactical skills and practices that support efficient, smarter, and more enduring skills. You will receive the most up-to-date information about the security and training industry with detailed discussions and select special guests each week. Tune in to On America's Front Lines of Crime and War, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go inside the inner workings of the entertainment industry to find out what's next in television, film, and on the web. Listen for Next Stop Hollywood. Hosted by entertainment insiders and pop culture junkies Brad Roth and Mark Feldstein. You'll find out how your favorite TV shows and movies are created and marketed from the conventional to the creative. This fast-moving industry has much more behind the scenes than what you see. No matter how big the screen, Next Stop Hollywood airs live Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Left Coast, 7 p.m. Right Coast on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Betty Cornelius and Tammy Brockhouse. Our topic is kinship caring and grandparents' rights. Now, here I want to talk about the key challenges, the really key things um, for kinship caring, the key responses and the key principles that are involved. Starting with Tammy. Tammy, what have been and continue to be the major problems you've encountered as a grandparent caring for a grandchild? Well, um, 
I'll start with there's no financial support, uh, especially for a single income earner late in life. Um, of course, as the child grows, so does his expenses, clothing, activities. Um, the government cannot seem to grasp that we have rescued these children from the system. Uh, the system isn't working. The CAS system has its own problems. Uh, besides saving the government approximately $15 million annually, studies have proven that uh, these children in kinship care flourish. Most of them all complete high school, whereas approximately 80% of foster kids end up in jail, where ours do not. Uh, we do not have any respite care. I had to stop uh, getting babysitters, not that they were always available, but because of the cost. And there's also issues within your own family with um, your own natural children, uh, jealousy, embarrassment um, by family members. Uh, those can be ongoing problems, too. Betty, why, why is kinship caring by grandparents so important? Well, I believe it's it's very important. We pass on their heritage and their roots to them, but nobody can love you like Grandma can love you. And if the child has to be in a home other than with Mom and Dad, then what better home than a kinship home? And again, as Tammy pointed out, our children are doing so much better than foster children are that um, the statistics speak for themselves. But I just know that... Um, my grandchild's been with me for 15 years. Had she been in the foster system for 15 years, she would be on move number five or six already simply because of foster parent burnout. And here she has a stable home with someone who loves her. Yeah. Tommy, uh, you mentioned earlier on the you, you, were, you really involved the legal system. You went to a lawyer. Uh, in your role as grandparents in the particular situation, how much help have you received from the legal system and how useful was that help? Um, well, the legal system in this situation, um, the first lawyer I got um, uh, really wasn't his area and I had to go to a lawyer that was familiar with working with the CAS. Um, and... Uh, once I found the right lawyer, um, you know, she directed me on the things that I had to do. Um, and that was basically just in the process of trying to obtain Alex. Um, but as far as any kind of assistance from anybody or anywhere, there was there was nothing. I, I was threatened when Alex was a... Um, a year old by the CAS that if I didn't adopt him, they would adopt him out. And um, at that time, I had to get another uh, community service worker involved to get some clarification on that. And they said that, well, they would back off if uh, I went for custody. Um, but I was also told that I should ask the CAS if they would help with subsidizing the adoption, but I was flatly told no. I didn't adopt at that time, but I did when I was ready and when my grandson was ready, and that was two years ago back in 2008. And that was when we talked about it and we decided on our own this is what we wanted to do. And we made our own family. We have built a family with some of the nicest and kindest people you can find from all walks of life, and they 
all got something to offer my grandson. Tammy, you um, heard a lawyer. Did that cost you money? And if so, was it a lot of money? Well, I guess at that point of the game, anything's a lot of money, yes. I hired a lawyer, and um, the whole expense at that time um, with uh, the, the original court proceedings and what followed and trying to get his parents sorted out, uh, I went through $10,000. And uh, Yeah, that's so real event- Eventually, your savings gets dried up. Sure, absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask Betty again reasonably quickly, what are grandparents' rights and why do they matter? Well, grandparents' rights are something most provinces in, in Canada don't, don't have and can grants please they should have. It's really the right to children to, for children to have their right to extended family. Um, we do have um, Bill 210 covers grandparents' rights as far as kinship and CAF, the Children's Aid Society, goes now. It says that there's supposed to be no more than five business days go by before a grandparent is contacted if a child is removed. And on the other piece of that, children, our adult children break up all the time and tell us to go to you-know-where, and we have no leg to stand on to see our grandchildren. So it's a real serious issue. Are you getting much support when you argue for change? No. <laughs> Um, the, the MPs and even the ministers, we, we had one hour of minister time two years ago, very nice to your face, and then everything just seems to get tabled. Right. Betty, um, in caring for your grandson, what are the things that cause the sun to shine for you and for both of you? I, I think you want, yeah. Oh, uh, well, for myself... <laughs> I guess you'd have to say there's far too many to mention, but uh, I think the first, uh, I can give you a few examples. They're all the the first words, the first steps, um, story time. Still at almost nine years old, that is, that's our special time is reading and cuddling. Um, and, of course, uh, in the morning, I get the biggest good morning smile every day, no matter what's going on in our lives, and that alone makes the day worth living. What about for the grandson, Alex? What makes his sunshine? What makes his sunshine? Um, I'd have to say dancing and singing. Uh, he loves to dance and he loves to sing. And uh, from a young age, he had asked me if he could take uh, ballet, and I said, I kind of gulped. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and I said, Well, yes, you can take ballet. But you have to realize there won't be too many boys in the class. I don't care, he said. And he's taken it. Uh, actually, this year he dropped it because he's uh, into the step dancing a bit more, and he started competing in that. But he still has his jazz and Irish dance and his singing and his violin. So he's musical? Yes. What about computers? I've heard a lot um, of talk about computers for and children, um, like like your grandchildren. What's your attitude to computers for him, and how does he respond to computers? Uh, well, he loves to use the computer as with the Nintendo game. Uh, however, we, I'm very strict with the time he gets on Nintendo, 
and he's only allowed so many minutes on Saturday and Sunday. And with the computer, there's um, just a, um, he has very limited time there. He, he enjoys it, and he has some websites that he's allowed to go to. However, we are quite busy with, uh, with our homeschooling and with his own activities so, and with our church activities. So we're, we're on the go quite a bit. <laughs> he also uses his computer to do his Latin. Oh, yes. His Latin? Yes. Fabulous. Just fabulous. Is that the Latin part of the homeschooling, Tammy? And in any case, tell us a bit more about the homeschooling. Well, um, last year uh, we knew that uh, there was a group of us who were going to be uh, get early retirement, and um, the group at uh, the church I was going to, most of them all homeschooled, and I had been trying to get familiar with some of the curriculums and what was going on in the homeschool world. And I'd gone to some of the conf- or one of the conferences down in Kitchener, I believe it was, and then I read a book all about homeschooling the classical education and why you teach certain subjects and how long you teach certain subjects. And uh, although everybody starts with French, they say French and uh, Spanish are what they call the romantic languages, and they need to start with Latin because that's kind of the basis of everything. And quite frankly, I've enjoyed it just as much as Alex has. The best kind of teaching, isn't it, where both the pupil and the teacher enjoy it. Now, I'm going to just interrupt with a a little bit of an explanation. You see, Tammy is going to have to leave us from this show at this particular point. And the reason why she's leaving us is she's taking a test for her new job, which is going to be as a school bus driver. Um, Tammy's retired, but she's taking this job in retirement to help finance her caring for her grandson. Um, That, for me, and I think for us all, symbolizes the way in which kinship caring is not just theory. This is, in fact, a fundamental change of life for grandparents in the situations that people like Betty um, and Tammy are in. But let's look back to the answer that Tammy just gave us. Uh, in caring for the gran- her grandson, there are lots of things that make the sun shine for both of them. And that goes back to the question, the matter of the way in which um, this is a vital service. So we're going to say goodbye for the moment anyway to Tammy. We're going to wish her every best thing in her test and every success, continuing success in everything she's doing. Um, we hope to welcome you again to the show sometime to hear about more of your successes. So, cheerio for now, Tammy, and all the best to you. And I'm going to now declare the break, because again, we have the break coming up. So it is time for that. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Betty Cornelius and Tammy Brockhouse. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We definitely will be back. News. News. Opinion. 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 Opinion.
hear me. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you are interested in the special investigation and security industry, be sure to tune in to Urban Warrior Radio. Each week, your host, J.P. Sheets, will discuss topics such as fugitive recovery, skip tracing, high-risk and personal security, and associated training. We encourage you to call into our program and email to find out more. Listen for Urban Warrior Radio, airing live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This show will keep you prepared and informed. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Betty Cornelius and Tommy Brockhouse. But Tommy has had to leave us for kinship caring duty. Our topic is kinship caring and grandparents' rights. So, Betty, I want to talk with you first about your own experience and the reasons why you set up your website, which is www.cangrands.com. Why did you set it up, and who does it help? Well, I was feeling really alone and isolated, and yet I knew I wasn't the only grandparent in the world, you know, having to raise my granddaughter and step up to the plate. And and uh, we moved to our unfinished cottage way out in the bush, like 18 kilometers off the main road, and so I'm really feeling isolated. And so I turned to the web, and I created a website and a support group for grandparents that were denied access to grandchildren because I'm denied access to my first one and raising the second one. So the first group I, I started really covered both, and then since then I split into two, two lists. But our website is an incredible information and support system for anyone that has to face this um, kinship care or the denied access piece, and um, I'm really proud of it. Great. Again, let's talk about, go back to the circumstances where grandparents are denied access. What are those circumstances where they lose access to the grandchildren, Betty? Well, access problems usually follow divorce, separation, or death of an adult child. It can also be a conflict between the adult child and or the child-in-law, like not liking your mother-in-law or daughter-in-law. Most um, can restore this with going to court. Um, however, it's a very expensive process, and in Ontario, we do not have that right 
We do not have grandparents' rights. So my daughter-in-law told me that I don't get to see my grandson because she split up with my son. I didn't do anything wrong. She stopped loving my son. I never stopped loving my grandchild. You know, so we've been fighting for this for a very long time. That's a painful fight, isn't it? It is. It's very painful. I, I'm, you know, she said to me, I don't want your kind in my life, and, and my kind is what? I'm a well-educated woman. I live in a beautiful home. I have many lovely things to offer a grandchild as far as values and family traditions, and she gets to choose that. Yeah. She's also cho- chosen to have three more babies with three more men. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now, let's talk about the grandparent-grandchild relationship. When and why is it most important for the grandchild or grandchildren? Let's look at it from the children's, grandchildren's point of view. Well, children internalize, so I believe it is essential for them to have that relationship with the grandparent, and especially when the parents are struggling either financially or emotionally or separating or divorcing. I mean, we're the first first um, level of defense in their life where we can be the first reserve for a crisis. We can step in and help. And often at a time that that's really needed, we're pushed aside and the children are used as pawns. Yeah. Let's talk now about health problems. And I'm particularly focusing on the health problems uh, of the children the, the grandkids that are being looked after. Um, how do those health problems change the importance of of the grandparent grandchild relationship, and what does it what do those health problems do for the role of the grandparents mm. or grandparent? Good question. Well, most of our children, I would say, a huge amount over seventy percent, are fetal alcohol or have other special needs. Um, example, my granddaughter had um, triple heart condition, stomach hernia, and a collapsed lung at birth due to drugs from the mother. And then during the first three and a half years of her life, she had four poisonings thrown across the room and was molested. So these kids come to grandma with a ton of baggage, emotional and health. We're willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to get them to be successful if they go into a system, a broken system, with all these issues, they get tossed from home to home to home, and usually they get drugged, put on medication for their behaviors. Um, the effects on our grandparents are huge. The stress, um, six, a huge amount of our grandparents are, um, are, are, have a disability themselves, and a lot of that is stress-related, whether it's diabetes or heart conditions. It's very stressful to have one of these children in your home, and you know, and there's 20% of the grandparents that have more than one in their home. They've stepped in and looking after two to four of them. Right. Betty, you talk about fetal alcohol syndrome and fetal alcohol disorder. What, what are those exactly, and what's the cause of them? Yeah, well, it's a very preventable disease. Mom just doesn't have to drink during her whole nine months pregnancy. Um, and sadly, some doctors are still encouraging pregnant women to drink, but basically that's what it is. Mom has either drank and or done drugs 
and the child is affected. And a fetal alcohol brain can often look like a piece of Swiss cheese with holes in it and short circuits. Today, my granddaughter might know what 7 times 3 is or 3 times 7, and then tomorrow she'll say, you never taught me that. And she believes that she was never taught that because her brain is short-circuiting. Right. What are the particular challenges that children like that face, particularly as they get into their teens? Betty? Oh, all hell breaks loose when, they're, when they become teenagers. I mean, they're, they've got so much other stuff. Mom and dad have abandoned them, or they're coming in and out of their life like yo-yos, and then the school is labeling them, and um, it's a real struggle for a teenage child that has fetal alcohol. The, the, it seems to really peak at that point with their home, hormones kicking in, and... Um, it really creates a lot of problems. And, of course, medicine helps, but it certainly isn't the answer. And support and some respite care for grandmothers that are burnt out and some real understanding people um, to come alongside these children would be most helpful. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you now about the challenges to grandparents when the parents are unwilling to allow grandparents to care for the children, when there's a blockage. What what are the challenges that grandparents face? Well, as Tammy said, you can kiss your retirement and any personal plans goodbye. I mean, I have a Harley, and I planned on traveling across Canada and, and traveling. You know, we had a Freedom 55 plan. It becomes a work-till-you-die plan. She is well worth it. We'd do it again. But raising a special-needs child and a child you didn't plan on is expensive. There's right. just no doubt about it. You know, so the main one is finances. The second one is lack of support, lack of understanding of what their needs are and our our needs are. Right. Um, Let's talk about the mother's side and the father's side grandparents. First of all, as far as you know from the statistics, are both sides blocked equally? And if they're not, why are they not? And what are the consequences? Well, that's a huge no, because mothers usually still maintain custody of, over the children, and the father's family are the ones that are shortchanged, and often the grandparents of the fathers are denied access. And even this is true even in kinship families, because um, the majority of, of the kinship children are the mother's children. A mother can actually tell a CAS worker, children's aid worker, I don't want the family to see my child. And that has to be honored until proven otherwise. So um, we actually have a term for it. We call it GAST, Grandparent Alienation Syndrome. And um, a lot of the fathers groups have something called PAS, um, Parental Alienation Syndrome. But there's been no studies on the effect of this. I can only speak for myself. I was a denied access grandchild from age 8 till I was 16, and then I looked up my grandmother and my question to her was, why did you stop loving me? Why did you stop coming around? You know? And she hadn't. She had never stopped loving me. She was not allowed to come around from my mother because of a divorce. I want to go back to um, the effects of fetal alcohol syndrome and disorders on the child, and in particular context. Do such children get into trouble with the law 
uh, and situations like that? And if so, what happens with and to the grandparents who are providing the care? Well, our children are getting into trouble less than um, other fetal alcohol children in foster care. And I think that's because grandpa and grandma are willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to do the sacrificing and, and making sure. And you're, you're um, 24-7. You're, you're, you don't get the break, so you're there. However, yes, they do get in trouble, and the legal system is just now starting to recognize fetal alcohol, that it's an issue, and that these children do have some special um, problems that need to be addressed. Yeah. Have you talked to any families, and I'm talking about kinship caring families now, where the child has got into trouble with the law, and have, what's the sort of impression of the way in which the law is responding to the knowledge that the child has FAS? Yes, actually, one of my grandparents' grandchild set the house on fire just recently, um, and the police were police came, and um, she's trying to explain to him, or the police, that you know this is a child that has fetal alcohol and something called radical attachment disorder, due to drugs and alcohol abuse from the parents and neglect and abuse from the parents, and you know the police just see the kid as being a bad kid. They don't understand that there's overlaying issues and so that is something we need to do a lot of you know awareness about right and that's awareness among the legal authorities that we're talking about isn't it exactly yeah, yeah. but even our neighbors I, I i've had a neighbor that said to me like what's you know what's wrong with that child why don't you put her on some drugs like why is she behaving like that and for me drugs are not the answer i've refused to um medicate my grandchild and um in the end, I've been right. She just finished grade 11 there with an average of 76% with no IEP, no individual educational program. And I think she's doing amazing. Great. Now, but, I'm going to interrupt you there because yeah. we're going to come back to these things. But it is time for the break again. So let's take this short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Betty Cornelius and Tammy Brockhouse, who's had to leave us for kinship caring duty. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct report, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leader's Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Get ready to change your life. Achieve your dreams, become a success story, and accomplish so much more. Tune in to Life Radio with Todd Newton. It's your open access to leading authors, experts, and trainers from the world of self-improvement, hosted by one of the world's top certified life coaches and motivational speaker, Todd Newton. Achieve the highest levels of personal development in all areas of your life. Listen to Life Radio with Todd Newton. 
Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Betty Cornelius and Tammy Brockhouse. Tammy is with us in spirit, but she's had to leave us for kinship caring duty. Our topic is kinship caring and grandparents' rights. Now, Betty, you're involved with efforts to change the law to establish grandparents' rights in Ontario, Canada. Let's talk about those efforts. First of all, (coughs) Betty, what's the history of these efforts to get the law changed, and how are their efforts progressing? Well, the history for me is back in um, two, two, uh, 1992, I had the first grand, my son had the first grandchild, and I wasn't allowed to see that child because they split up. Then in 93, he had another baby, the one that I'm currently raising. But in 97, they were still together, and they broke up, and she told me I didn't have any rights. I went to a lawyer and found out Ontario doesn't have grandparents' rights, So I went to my local MP, which was Dan McTeague at the time, and he created a grandparents' bill. That was in 97. That bill got first and second reading and didn't pass. And since then, um, we've had four new bills, grandparents' bills, be presented by um, MPP Kim Crater from Niagara Falls. Just recently, as of last Thursday, um, Bill 22 got its second reading, passed completely, fully supported by all parties which was lovely to see, but um, all of these bills have died a fatal death on what they call the third and final reading, which is because the government breaks, takes their break, and then they table everything, which means file 13, throw it in the garbage, and we start the whole entire process again. So we're hopeful that Bill 22 will pass, and yet from history it tells us that it won't. Okay, Uh, I'll come to my wishes over that towards the end. But next question is, what are the most important things that need changing in the law as it stands? Well, I see support for grand families, kinship families, um, as being number one. Um, we, We get five times less money and support than foster families, and our children are doing better. So for me, that's number one. And then, of course, number two, to get this grandparents' bills passed. And all it does, all that bill does is ask for the right to go to court. So you're still preventing a grandfather with two, two heads and four arms perhaps having access, but you are allowing each individual family to at least present their, their case. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. In whose best interests are the changes, and why are the changes so important? Oh, the best interest is for the children. It's the children who are suffering. You know, uh, myself, I, I thought Grandma didn't love me anymore. Um, for the kinship children, my again, um, I have to tell my granddaughter, sorry, no, we can't afford it. Sorry, no, we can't afford it. 
where I had 32 foster children in my home over the last 40-some years, and I never had to tell a foster child, no, we couldn't afford it. I just phoned the worker in, and yes, whatever I wanted, they got, whether it was piano lessons. You know, Tammy has to go back to work just to pay for Alex's lessons. Yet if Alex lived in my home as a foster child, those lessons would be paid for. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. Bigger question now. What, Betty, what's really at stake here? And why should all of us, not necessarily only family caregivers, kinship carers, take notice of grandparents' rights? What's really, really the, at stake? Well, the children that are being denied access, they're being denied access to love and support of, of extended families. They're being cheated. They're cheated out of their roots, their heritage, love, family traditions, family values. Really special things might not seem important unless you've never you know, had them, but passing down my great-great-grandmother Hampton's special gingerbread recipe. She's 97 years old. She's taught every one of the grandchildren how to do this except for my grandchild. She doesn't get to do that, and that grandchild doesn't get that experience with that lovely, lovely 97-year-old 97, 97 lady. Yeah. Yeah. The now, children are being cheated. Right. Good one. Now, I want to ask you, still on the same theme of children being cheated, you, you both have made a very powerful case that um, grandchildren looked after by kinship-caring grandparents do so much better than children in other forms of care, and you mentioned uh, foster care. Tell us more about that. First of all, what are the statistics again? And secondly, how and why do they do better? Well, how and why is because I think the grandparents, there's no, like, nobody loves you like grandma loves you. And, um, and you're not being bounced from home to home. The average foster child is moved every 18 to 22 months. So again, my granddaughter's been here 15 years. You do the math, she would be on, you know, home number five or six now. And after group home number five or six or foster home number five or six, you end up in group home. So how can they do better when they're always being changed, things are changing for them? We offer our grandchildren consistency in a home, love in the home, and we're willing to fight to the max for them. Okay. Uh, 50% of all foster children are not finishing school. Our, our children are finishing school. My granddaughter, I wouldn't even allow an IEP, an individual education program. She's not only going to finish school, she's going to finish school in the top percentile. Right now she's striving for 90s, and she can do that. This may sound like a, a tough question or a cynical question, but it's not intended that way. Does that mean your granddaughter is going to become... Um, a, 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 a valuable member of society, earning her, her own living and contributing to society. She is sure right? is. She sure is. I am so proud of her. She starts um, staff training to be a counselor at a special needs camp, and she is going to be taking her first training, first staff training on Thanksgiving weekend. So she's sacrificing time for her family for training that is going to steer her to be a valuable part of our community. Right. And her goal, her, her bigger goal is to be a lawyer, but she wants to work with special needs kids, and she wants to be a children's lawyer. 
Now, still on the same track, let's talk about the sad instances where children with FASD wind up in the so-called justice system and um, maybe in jail and things like that. Let's go back to this question of how um, kinship caring, grandparents' role with the child can make a difference there. I think because grandpa and grandma don't abandon them. Uh, I had a foster child who was very violent, and they moved the child out of my home due to that problem. And, you know, chicken in the egg question, was she violent or is she fetal alcohol and violent? But they put her in a group home, and now she's on drugs, and she has total uh, strangers um, looking after her, where if, if indeed one of our fetal alcohol grandchildren does end up in the system, we're still going to be there. We are not going to abandon them. Right. You talk about drugs. You're talking there about medication. Medication. I'm sorry. I should say medication. Oh, yes. but no, it's perfectly fair. Yes. Let me ask you this question. How useful are medications, and when are they useful? When kids are getting into the kind of situations you've been talking about, when are medications useful, and if so, when? Well, I'm not an advocate for medication, so I'm going to say no. But, of course, there, there's a time and a place for them for every, you know, for, for children that need them. I have girlfriends that are raising grandchildren that are definitely on um, some medications to control their, their violent behavior or to control them in other ways so that they can focus to be able to attend school. And, of course, they're needed for those cases. But... Uh, I'm not a big advocate of it. I prefer to try natural ways, emotional freedom technique stuff and uh, psychotherapy. Now, let's go back to the case that we're making for a change in the law. All those arguments, points that you've made to me just now, um, seem over, overwhelming in their importance. That is to say, medications don't solve the problem. Um, foster care and these depersonalized services don't don't work all that well, but kinship caring by grandparents does work. Um, it keeps, is this right? It keeps kids out of trouble. It, it creates happiness for kids and for the grandparents, and it relieves society of a considerable burden. So my question to you is this. Why are people legislators, bureaucrats, so hesitant about the value of family caregiving, kinship caring in these situations? Well, I think it all comes down to the old pocketbook, and, uh, you know, we're doing it, and we're doing it without too much fuss and crying, so just, you know, let us whine a bit. They know. I mean, the bottom line is they know we're not going to turn our, our children into them. Madam Mueller, a couple of years ago on, tel- on national television, said, if you can't afford your grandchildren, just turn them into CAS. Just bring them to the Children's Aid Society, and the government will look after them. There's no way. I'm telling you, we would be eating crown glass <laughs> and a lot of macaroni before I would turn my grandchild into CAS. Right. And, and I know no grandparent that would be willingly to do that. What use is to you and the people like you who are making these efforts to get things changed are bits of publicity, like, for example, this show. How much help can we be to you? 
Well, you are a huge amount to help. Um, every media, that, every time we get some media, you know, a trickle-down effect happens, and it's not a lot, but maybe five to 15 new people will hear about us, and, and somebody like Tammy's, grand, or Tammy's father was reading the paper or listening to a radio, and he'll tell her, and, I mean, just him telling Tammy she started a chapter and she supports another dozen people up there. So there's a trickle-down effect, and it's so needed. Yeah. And with kinship care, caring grandparents helping each other, there's a sense of, can I call it solidarity, of uniting, feeling that you're not alone, feeling that others are walking with you. That's important too, isn't it? Very, very important um, because you, you do. I mean, it's an overwhelming life. It's not a life that most people would choose. You know, it's it, I, again. I call it the club. Nobody wanted to join, and just to have some other people in there and and say, "Wow, I'm not alone." And oh, you know what I'm talking about when you know when I come home and I found an 11 year old who's colored all over the hardwood floor with her crayons and then denies it when it's only her and me in the house. I can phone her or get online and talk to another grandparent. And they go, "Oh yeah, honey, that's that's the short circuit in the brain." Don't go to the problem, go to the solution. And I'm like, what do you mean go to the solution? Because there's no point asking her why she did that because she has a short circuit in her brain. So you go to the problem. Oh, there's crayon on the floor. Can you wipe that up for Grandma? Yep. Now, there's no cure for that short circuit as far as we know, and there's certainly no medication for it. But there are grandparents and there are Betty people like you and also Tammy and many others who are able to do very good things uh, to address that short circuit. So I want to say to you, first of all, all of you, you in particular, Tammy, and every one of you, all strength to you. You need it, and anything that people like me can do to help you, please ask us. Uh, I want to say thank you to our listeners for listening, and do please email us or or call us with your questions and comments for uh, Betty and Tammy. Uh, and we'll be very pleased to get back to you. And obviously, I want to say thank you to Betty and Tammy in in her absence for talking with us in the way that you have done. You've been very open. You really have talked about your experience, which is a, has been a tough experience. You've shared your insights. You've shared your advice. But you've also said, look, the sun does shine. There are things that are good. There are things that grandparents can do that no other system can do and therefore you need you deserve and the children above all should be served by this change in the legislation that you're struggling for so all strength to you in everything every aspect of the things you do thank you all very much now in our next episode we're going to talk about family caregiving and schizophrenia Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.